the EU has done it again. It's taken leadership of the climate change agenda just as it has all the way back to 1990. It is the core player in a game between the global blocs, the US, China and the EU. And it has just announced a package of potential legislation, uh, some 13 or so items, as part of its 55 package, uh, looking towards 230 and beyond. It's been in this position, the EU, of uh, taking the lead uh, right back to Kyoto. Think back to then, uh, the US having promoted Kyoto dropped out, the big polluting other countries, Japan, Canada, dropped out too. Uh, the EU had to effectively bribe the Russians to join by offering to support their WTO membership in exchange for coming on board. And that just about got over the thresholds of making Kyoto operational. Kyoto was a European agreement and it was driven by the Europeans and only the Europeans effectively took binding targets. And this time around, it's different uh, for COP26 because uh, the Americans are back on board, or at least back inside the Paris framework, and offering as well to take decarbonisation seriously. Chinese, not so good. Uh, 28% of total global emissions are very much on the sidelines at the moment and no real commitment to do much before 2.30. And remember too that China is half the total world coal burn and building lots more coal power stations right now. So onto the stage for COP26 uh, come the Europeans. And this time around, they have put together a package which looks a lot more coherent than what's happened in the past. Shouldn't get carried away. There's a huge amount yet to do to turn the new package into substance. But that said, we are a lot further forward uh, than we were even uh, a couple of years or so. So, What's so special about what the Europeans are up to and why should it give us some grounds for hope? Well, the central piece of Europe's effort has always been uh, the idea of a Europe-wide emissions trading regime. Back in 1990-91, the alternative of carbon tax was the preferred option, but for all the usual political and lobbying reasons, we ended up with emissions trading uh, rather than an explicit carbon tax. But that said, the EU ETS, the European Union's Emissions Trading Scheme, uh, was and is the biggest uh, carbon pricing regime on the global scale. No one else has got anything uh, that's remotely as comprehensive as the European regime. Now, what they've done in this package is two things to that central EU ETS framework. The first one is to recognise that it has to be broadened. 
that other sectors have to be brought into the decarbonisation game. Why? Well, heating, transport, agriculture, these are the harder to crack and crucial elements to be added to any serious decarbonisation. The proposals on the table at the moment are very gradual, mainly aimed actually at bringing transport into the frame, but the sense of direction is clear. And when you add in uh, the attempts to bring shipping and aviation on board as well, progress at least is being made. It's roughly right, rather than being narrowly defined just on the energy sector, and in particular the electricity sector, which is proving easier than the others to begin to crack. So broadening uh, the EU ETS is the right thing to do if you're going to stick with an ETS and the new proposals do precisely that. People may negotiate them down, they may be watered down in all the usual uh, European uh, uh, internal diplomacy, but the sense of direction is good. On top of that broadening is the really key linchpin to all of this, not just in Europe, but globally. And that's the proposal to have a carbon border adjustment mechanism, a so-called CBAM, a shortening of the uh, term, which I'm sure we're all going to become much more familiar with. Now, the idea here is fantastically simple, which is that the same carbon price should apply whether or not production is domestic inside the EU or its uh, production outside the EU, which is imported back into the EU. It makes entire economic sense to have a common price. Why should you discriminate just because of the location, given that carbon knows no boundaries? It makes sense because it addresses the competitiveness issue. If you don't have a carbon border adjustment price, a CBAM, but you have an internal EU ETS price, well, you know, you're just giving an export subsidy to the Chinese to produce the stuff and sell it uh, artificially cheaply, I not including its pollution costs, into the EU market. So it addresses the competitive issue and it's a bit late. Europe's been deindustrializing since 1980 and that's what's made it relatively easy to get into the uh, leadership role on climate change. But now that bit is being addressed in the CBAM and that will make a difference. But this is just the beginning because what a CBAM does and why there have been howls of protests from Russia and indeed China to this proposal is it says to the countries that are not in what we might call the coalition of the willing to deal with climate change, look, if you want to avoid paying the CBAM, the carbon border adjustment, to the EU, you can get out of it. All you have to do is have an equivalent carbon price at home. And of course, the moment you think about that, what this does is create just that coalition of the willing, bottom up rather than the kind of top down COP26 type of approach. Gradually, countries can be added to those that have a carbon price and it can be pluralized throughout the global system. This is the best chance of getting towards 
gradually global carbon pricing without undermining competitiveness. And you know, the really encouraging sign is that the United States is beginning to think this way too. Why would they take all the actions that uh, Biden and his administration are proposing, raising the costs of production in the United States, and then just giving China and other countries exporting to the United States essentially a subsidy to their exports because they're not paying the cost of pollution. And you can imagine, and it's not fanciful, that within a few years, both the EU and the US may have a CBAM, a carbon border adjustment. Wouldn't that be great? It wouldn't quite cover half of the world's GDP, but since many of the rest of the countries in the world depend upon exporting to the EU and the US, wow, that would make a big impact on their incentives to have carbon pricing. So this package puts the EU back in the climate change leadership role, if ever it left it. It throws down the gauntlet for COP26. Uh, the UK, the US and others have to think through, well, what are they going to do about CBAMs? How are they going to come up to the plate, given the EU is in that leadership role? And, you know, if you want one more reason for optimism... One of the encouraging things about the CBAM from the political point of view is that this is own revenue to the European Commission. They've lost out on the digital tax and it's not clear where the plastic tax is going. But these revenues from the CBAM are supposed to be tied to the costs of the European recovery plan. As always in environmental matters, follow the science follow the economic logic, but above all, follow the money. And that's why this particular proposal within the EU package may turn out to have a significance much greater than currently people appreciate. And let's hope that's so. Thank you.